Hallelujah. God is so good to us. Amen. So we're doing the pathway to purpose, and this is my last opportunity, my last shot, my last uh, go at it. We've been doing it all month. And uh, t- the pathway to purpose is something that we have put together here at New Horizon. Uh, this, this is what we have here to help kind of lend kind of a um, linear point-by-point, step-by-step uh, program, should we say, or pathway for you as a believer to become more and more uh, healthy, more and more strong in what you are. And if you are able to incorporate the five uh, or five, yeah, five icons of the pathway to purpose, then you will be on a great pathway, a trajectory towards health in your Christian walk. You can be healthy in your body, but your spirit cannot be healthy. Amen. And healthy means that it's strong, it's vibrant, it's growing, it's developing, it's becoming more and more what it's supposed to be. And uh, so we we started off um, with with starting point, and we talked about the the cross of Christ and how important that is. And we went to commit, how how very important it is to be committed to a local body. It's so important that we not be flitty, flighty, floaty. How do you like that? Flitty, flighty, floaty. We are not flitty, flighty, floaty people. We are grounded. We are rooted. We are attached to a building. We're attached to a local body. And it's through that local body that God wants to do amazing things. Then when you're attached to the local body, it's very, you know, when you get on the building or in the building or whatever, you have to have that sticky stuff to make you stay and to make you connected up with other people around you. And then uh, last week we talked about serve. I kind of mixed it up. Talked about how important it is to serve. And, you know, we had an amazing response for people going around the ministry fair last week and signing up and being willing to just become a part, becoming the servant of this house. You know, we talked a lot last week about how yeah, at that last supper when Jesus got together with the disciples, it was a wonderful evening and, and everything was prepared. The disciples had gone ahead and done everything, but there was one thing missing in that gathering that was in gatherings across Jerusalem. And what was the one thing that was missing? Anybody remember? A slave, a servant. And that slave would be the one that would serve the food and would be the one to kneel down and wash their feet. There was no slave in their particular group. And so Jesus wrapped the towel around his waist and Jesus became the servant of all at the Last Supper. And here in this body, we do not have slaves or servants here to do the work. We have each other. And when we gather together, we all are called to take up the towel and reach over and do the things that need to be done and, and to, to serve one another. And if we're not doing that, then the house does not become what it needs to be. Amen? And today we're going to move on to grow, move on to grow. So basically the health, uh, Pathway to Purpose talks about Christians becoming more and more healthy, more and more strong, more and more vibrant. And as Christians in a local body become more and more strong and vibrant, then that local body, that church becomes stronger and stronger itself. Amen? So as, as the Christians, every single one of you sitting in chairs, purple chairs, if you're in a purple chair, you are here right? And uh, you are a part of this body. And as you become stronger, as you become healthier, then this house becomes stronger and healthier. And when this house becomes stronger and healthier, then let me remind you, that is when the community begins to feel the effectiveness of the kingdom. 
That is when the kingdom becomes effective. I don't know about, have you ever felt ineffective? Have you ever mowed the lawn and the lawnmower was set on high? And you ran all around the whole yard and you look back and nothing got cut. Because your lawnmower was set too high. I would call that an ineffective lawn mowing session, wouldn't you? Have you ever, let's see, um, have you ever tried to clean your house when there's children in it? You're working so hard and you turn around and behind you there is a cyclone going on, you know, going on behind you. I would say that's ineffective house cleaning. Have you ever, I don't know, what else have you done that maybe ends up being ineffective? I don't like being ineffective. I like being effective. And we're going to talk a lot about that here tonight or today as we we keep moving on. But today is grow, grow, grow. Uh, Let's open up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. I love this little verse. It's a cute little verse. Uh, second, uh, first Peter, sorry, chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. I've had an incredible opportunity over the last uh, month and a half, really, to, and I shared with you a little bit about this, to be working in the NICU or the special care nursery at Good Sam. And uh, these are babies that are born, and they're not doing so hot, so they need a little bit of extra care. And uh, so they're not being fed, usually, and we have to keep them warm. And and as they get better over the next few days, then all of a sudden, it, it becomes apparent that they can start eating now. And you know how babies are when they're first born. The first thing they're doing is looking for mom. You know, (laughs) where are you? I'm hungry, right? But these little babies, these little infants, when they come out, they're weak and they're not well. And so we care for them until they become stronger and well. And they start kind of, you know, acting like maybe they're a little bit hungry. So, so we'll get them a bottle or we'll we'll put them up to mama's breast. And, And the first, you know, they kind of don't know what to do. They kind of, what is that? You know, kind of thing. But if you take a little drop of milk, a little tiny drop, and you just put it on their lip there, and it kind of rolls into their mouth, all of a sudden they're like, that's pretty good. And then they start searching for it. So the end part of this verse says, um, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good, you've all had a taste of what God can do in your life. You've all tasted a little bit of what the word can do when it starts to get into your soul. You all know the feeling of when God's word comes in and it begins to just move the inside of us just here. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you know or you've tasted of the Lord and it is good. Now what God wants you to do is to go beyond just a little taste, a little flavor, a little here, a little there. And he wants you to begin to crave spiritual milk. Once that baby tastes that little drop, you can't stop that little baby. That little baby will suck anything near to it, and it will do anything it possibly can to take in milk. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may, that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. To grow means to enlarge or increase. So just think anything that's getting bigger or increasing is growing. Would you agree with that? Okay. So infants love milk so much, it is said that they will drink, on average, 60 gallons in the first year. 
60 gallons of milk. That's a lot of milk. So if you take the little tiny baby and you set it here, and then we'd line up 60 gallons of milk, I don't know how far it would go, that little infant is going to consume all of that in the first year. That's a lot of milk, don't you think? And then throughout a human's life, they are also going, they're going to consume, we will, you and I, maybe, I hope not, 50 tons of food. It's my goal to maybe keep it down to 48, you know, I don't know if I possibly can. 50 tons of food is the average consumption for a a human. 13,000 gallons of drink. That's a lot of Coke, don't you think? Keep it to lemon water. You'd do better. Um, so, but the growth rate of an infant is pretty astonishing. If the average weight of an infant is six pounds and they're about 20 inches long when they're born, they will triple their weight in their first year. They'll, the average one-year-old will weigh about 18 pounds. So they'll triple their weight. And if that growth pattern continues, this is what you're going to have. At the age of two, you will have a 54-pound, 5-foot-7 child. Aren't you glad your two-year-olds are not 54 pounds and 5-foot-7? That's frightening. And if it continues in this manner and in this fashion, the, little, the cute little thing you birthed when it toddles off to kindergarten at the ripe old age of six, will weigh 1,458 pounds and be 10 foot four. That is frightening. How much is a ton? That's almost a ton, a six-year-old ton. But growth for a human being physically does not continue, thank you, Jesus, the way it does at the beginning. So it tapers off. It starts and then it tapers off. Amen? But spiritual growth is not intended to be like that. Spiritual growth is supposed to keep on going. Uh, Turn over, if you would, to Philippians 1, uh, verse 3 through 6. And I'm hoping those, uh, we get the verses up there. Philippians 1, verse 3 through 6. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel for the first, from the first day until now, being confident in this, that he who would be God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God's intention for you is to complete you. Say, complete me, please. <laughs> God's intention for you is to complete you, and he does not have any intention to be able to do it in a day. His completion and his, his, uh, his goal is to complete you, but it's going to take a lifetime until the day that you see Christ Jesus. So your spiritual growth, your spiritual growth curve, instead of like an, a human where it kind of goes and then it kind of levels off, it keeps going. Now they say in the human body, there's a couple of items on our human body that keeps growing. Your nose and your chin, apparently. But I would like to add to that, your forehead keeps growing as you lose hair and your earlobes. How many of you guys' earlobes are a little bigger today than they were maybe 10 years ago? Yeah. So certain items on our body continue to grow, but the rest of us don't. Your Christian growth is meant to start here and never stop. 
never, ever stop. So how are we supposed to measure Christian growth? I mean, I can, you know, we have the, the wall at Grandma Phyllis's house where, you know, all the children have, and we all get up to a certain point, and then we all kind of stop, and then eventually I think we're going to start to shrink. Um, but uh, hopefully that's not for a while. But, you know, how are you supposed to measure Christian growth? Because what's supposed to grow? Your spirit? Well, how do I know that? Turn to 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3, and uh, verse 18. I've been loving the Peters, First and Second Peter. I have been enjoying them immensely the last uh, week or two. I want to really encourage you to read through. Uh, grab a, a book in the New Testament like that and read it every day, because they're short, right? They're just a couple of chapters. Bang it out every day and see what God will show you by the end of the week. You'll start having just this amazing perspective. But 2 Peter 3, verses, verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Here's a hint of what's supposed to grow. Two things. Did you hear it? Grow in what? And in? So grace and knowledge. We're supposed to grow in grace and knowledge. And we're supposed to grow in grace and knowledge all the time. From now until the day you die, you need to be able to look back and say, grace is bigger and knowledge is bigger in my life. And if at any point in time, either of those two things stall out, you know that your spiritual growth now has stalled out. Grace and knowledge. Grace and knowledge kind of breaks it down. So let's kind of figure out what this really means, okay? Because I don't like hearing a sermon that's all ethereal. I want to be able to touch it and feel it. Because then it can become something I can take into my life. So we're going to talk about the knowledge part first. Number one, knowledge. The word knowledge there is uh, the Greek term gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And it means to know facts. You need to know facts. Do you know facts that are there to be known about Jesus? Or do you just kind of know him as a name and kind of a great guy and we, we praise him all the time? Do you know the absolute significance of who Jesus is? Let me read a little bit to you because there are so many fun little nuggets throughout, the, throughout really the whole Bible, but I love the New Testament because every once in a while a little nugget will pop out. And I'm like, oh my word, I didn't know that. That's a fact. That's a, a bit of knowledge that we need to know about Jesus. Turn over to Colossians. I love Colossians. I spent a month reading Colossians almost every day. And it has become so vibrant and alive. But there's this certain passage that I didn't know was in there about Jesus. Read, let me read this to you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Did you know that? For by him, Jesus, all things were created. He created everything. Did you know that? Jesus was our creator. He was there when creation was happening, along with wisdom and a few other things. Everything was created by him. Things in the heavens, all of the heavens were created by Jesus. All on earth, visible and invisible. Anything that is, was created by Jesus. Did you know that? So that would mean that even the demonic realm was created 
by Jesus before it fell. Jesus created everything. Now all of a sudden when we want to praise his name, I just have to look outside and go, oh yeah, Jesus made that. Jesus did that. What an awesome Savior I I serve. He created all things by him and for him. He was before all things, and in him all things are held together. Did you know that inside of Jesus all things are held together? If you feel like you're falling apart, where should you go? Who should you call to? Because when you run to Jesus, he's holding all things together. And even though in your little life everything's falling apart, call on the one that has the ability to hold you together too. Did you know that? Did you know that it says this? He is the head of the church, the body. He's the beginning of the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he has supremacy. Did you know he has everything? He is supreme in everything. Did you know that he is supreme in America even today? He has supremacy over all of this racial tension. All of this violence that is so rising in our country. Jesus is supreme still. Flip over to Hebrews just really quick. Who is Jesus? Knowledge of Jesus. So much in Hebrews tells us about just knowledge, stuff about him. I'm running out of time. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers and through the prophets in many times in various ways. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed to be heir of all things. He's heir of all things. Did you know that? Through him whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory. Did you know that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory? He's the exact representation of God. Did you know that he is sustaining all things by the power of his word? Did you know that after providing purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven and he is much superior to angels? I mean, it just keeps going on. I could read you stuff after stuff after stuff in the first five chapters of, of Hebrews that is the knowledge of Jesus. And when you grow and grow and learn more and more about who Jesus really is, what he is all about, you're going to grow spiritually because now you're not going to shake and quake when there's evil things going around because you know who's holding everything together. And you know who's supreme over everything. You know that the evil one, the devil himself, is not supreme. Yet sometimes you might start thinking maybe he is. Maybe you might start thinking that you're being overcome with evil. But knowledge, knowing who Jesus is, is going to help you grow. There's another piece of knowledge, and it's experiential It's not just knowing the things about God, but knowing in your heart, truly having an experience that goes beyond your brain now and comes down into your heart. Because this is how God works. He doesn't ask you to check your brain at the door. He wants your brain. He wants you to know things. He wants you to understand things. He wants you to get the logic of who he is and what he is. But then he doesn't want to just stop in your brain. He wants to go down and envelop your heart. Paul. Paul, in uh, Philippians 3 again, verse 7 through 11, you can read the whole thing. I'm just going to skip down. I'm going to read, read chap, uh, verse 10, and it's going to be out of the Message Bible, so it's going to be a little bit different than this. But Paul knew God. 
He was seeking not just the mental knowledge, but he was seeking heart knowledge. He wanted to be close. He wanted to experience God. And this is what he says here in the Message Bible. I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, and be a partner in his sufferings, and go all the way with him to death. Paul began to understand experientially what it meant to die to himself and to live through Christ's resurrection. We've all had those moments, those camp moments, those camp meeting moments where all of a sudden God becomes so real. Those are points of growth, spiritual growth. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus. The other part of it is grace. Everybody say grace. We're to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in grace, grow in grace. That just sounds so spiritual. But I don't know what it means. Let me explain to you. Grace is the divine influence upon the heart that reflects now out into life. Say that with me. Divine influence that affects the heart And now is reflected out in life. It's hard to say that after me, isn't it, when I'm not giving you opportunity? Sorry. Do you get it, though? So first God comes into our brain. He wants to get knowledge and facts into our brain. And then he wants us to translate it down into our heart to have a personal experience with him. But he doesn't want to just leave it there. He wants it now to permeate our life. And whatever God has done spiritually or or all of this kind of thing, he wants it now to transition out into our life. And the more we know, the more we know, and the more it transcends out into our life, that's called spiritual growth. That's being growing, that is growing in knowledge and in grace. In knowledge and in grace. So I want to see a whole bunch of Pathway to Purpose people here at New Horizon who you are becoming healthy, healthy, healthy people, healthy Christians, and you are growing in your knowledge. You're learning more about who Jesus is, and you're beginning to experience him deeper and deeper in your life. But your life now is beginning to become transcendent of the spirit that's in the inside of you. I want you to turn with me now to Second, uh, second Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. God always goes after the heart. And then he wants to take what he does in, his heart, in your heart and press it out into your everyday life. That's spiritual growth. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received faith as a precious as ours. They always have such flowering salutations. Chapter, or verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Grace and peace and knowledge... Every time he writes an epistle, he says grace and peace, and there's some kind of reference to knowledge. That's the whole point of our Christian life. Then he goes on. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, say everybody, everybody say increasing. Increasing measure, sounds like growing. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Incredible cut and dried, very obvious, grow. For this very reason, I'm going to back up to chapter five, uh, sorry, verse 5. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So I want, to, I want you to come with me right now into a word picture. The word add there has in its connotation choreography. So I want you to think in your mind like a ballet. Your life is like a stage. You are the conductor. You are the director. And your stage, spiritual stage, shall we say, starts empty. And the first thing that must come out to dance is faith. You have to decide that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and put your faith in him. And so faith walks out center stage by itself. And you are now a Christian. You now have God living in your heart and in your life. And you have been transferred from the uh, kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you are walking around your life with faith center stage. When you go to work, sorry, I, you know, I'm a Christian. They get to know who you are. They get to know that faith dances center stage in your heart. But God is not finished with you yet. Because God says right here, for this very reason, all those wonderful things that God did spiritually for you that you did not have to ask for or earn, all of those divine everythings that we talked about, because of those things, now he wants you to do something. He wants you to add. Everybody say add. Now I want you to think in your mind, you're the choreographer. And you have faith dancing on your stage. And it's a wonderful dance. But it's kind of single. So God says, add. Bring in some more players. What are we supposed to bring in first? We're supposed to bring in goodness. Goodness is moral excellence. So you're a Christian. You go to Walmart. You get your cart. You go and, you, and your children are in your cart. And you're pushing your cart all over the place. And you fill your cart up. And then you go through self-checkout. Scary. You check everything out. You put your bags in. You leave. You have your receipt. You paid for it. You unload your bags into your car. And you realize there is a roll of masking tape that you desperately need under one of your bags that you did not pay for. And you stand there in the middle of the parking lot 
And you look at the roll of masking tape and you go, shoot, I'm a Christian. I can't steal. Am I going to be morally excellent or am I not? And on the stage of your life, your faith is dancing as loud and hard as it possibly can. You are a Christian. You are a Christian. And over here is moral excellence waiting to be called upon. And you're the choreographer. And you have a choice at that moment. And you go, okay, kids, climb back in the cart. We're going back in. Why, mommy? Because we got to. And you push the cart all the way the half mile back in. And you go up to the lady at the, at the, the cash machine and, and she sees you again. She's like, what are you doing here? I got to pay for this. You got a what? Yeah, I for, it was under the bag. I gotta, you got to pay for that? And as she's doing it, she's looking at you kind of funny. And she said, you know, no one ever does this. Yeah, I know. And I probably wouldn't have done it before. But God's living on the inside of me, and he won't let me steal from you. Guess what? Moral excellence has now made its way onto my stage, and I have grown. And now I have faith. Yes, I'm a Christian. And now I have goodness or moral excellence making its way into the dance of my heart, the stage of my heart. Then off to the side, there's more. There's a knowledge. You know, I'm a Christian. I, I, I put a lot of things in my mind every day. Maybe, maybe I should read the word every day. Maybe I will start setting my clock a little earlier and get up a little bit early and put some word in my life every morning. Maybe I'll listen to a sermon on my way to, to wherever I go. And all of a sudden, knowledge, who's standing in the wings, wanting to come out and dance, a dance on your life stage, is invited out, and knowledge begins to make its way in the midst of your life stage. After that, there's a moment. There's a moment in time when you're doing life like you always have done it, but you get You're sitting there with your phone, maybe you're flipping through, looking for maybe a Bible passage, and a picture pops up. Maybe an app pops up, maybe an ad that would draw you into looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. And there's a thing called self-control that's waiting in the wings over here that wants to come out and be added to your faith that wants to join the dance. But you are the choreographer. You get to say, no, not you yet. I'm going to enjoy myself for a little bit of time. You are the choreographer that gets to invite them out or tell them to stay back. I don't want you on my stage. But I would say to you, if you've got faith dancing and you've got moral excellence dancing and you've got knowledge dancing, invite self-control out because then these addictions, then these difficulties that you have tripped over time and time again will be eradicated from your life and you will be able to move on. Invite self-control to come out and be a part of your stage. Perseverance. 
James said perseverance has to have, be allowed to have its full work in your life. What's perseverance? Waiting a very, 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 very suffering for a very, 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 very long time before you go, ugh. Everybody go, ugh. Perseverance. God wants to add to your life the ability to wait a very long time through very difficult times, through very hurtful, hard times, through very, just being happy, being okay. Before you go, But if in your life you have all this dancing and something little happens in your life and you immediately go, everything else has to kind of stop. Perseverance. And it goes on and on. I have to wrap it up. The babies are all crying. I could, every single one of these is a sermon. Every single one. I'm having to exercise self-control. Come on out, girlfriend. I need you. Godliness, brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, everybody say increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge. You all have knowledge. Some Christians are ineffective and unproductive because they have not added choreographed the rest of these items onto their life stage so that at some point, people, my goal is that all of these things would be dancing cohesively, powerfully, impactfully in my life. And the Bible's promise here is that when that is happening, I am going to become more and more effective and more and more productive. In the kingdom. And just in life in general. Let's all stand. Band, come on up. Grow. 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 We are never to stop growing. If we were to like shift from physical sight of what we see around us right now. And we saw our spiritual man. I would hope that I'd see ten ton giants all across this room. How many of you want to be a 10-ton spiritual giant? Okay. It's a lifelong endeavor. Everybody say lifelong. Add to your faith. If you do not have faith in Jesus Christ right now, if you've not asked Jesus into your life, now's the greatest moment of ever. Let's, let's invite that first player out on your stage. I'll give you a second right now. If you have never asked Christ in your life and you would like to, raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray with you, a simple prayer. Raise your your hand across. Hallelujah. People of God, we're going to take part in a young woman becoming a Christian right now. Let's all pray this prayer. Thank you for responding. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Repeat after me. Say, Father, come into my life. I invite you, center stage. Come and be a part of my life. Forgive my sins. Place me in your throne room. I place you first in my life. 
I love you ever so much. I commit my life to you. Now, the rest of you, faith is dancing on your stage. It's a beautiful dance. I've seen you. I know your passion. I know the goodness that's in your heart. But you may right now feel the ineffectiveness of your life. You feel like you're mowing the lawn and nothing is getting cut. I invite you today to begin to choreograph your heart, the stage of your heart. Bring some spiritual growth into your life this week. Even now, I want you to look at, look at your stage. What's, what's standing off to the side that's begging to come to the center of your world and you know it's there and you are stopping it. You're, you're choosing elseways. Right now, just throw your hands in the air and invite it to come center stage. Invite it in. Invite it in. Moral excellence, come into my people in Jesus' name. May we make choices, oh Father, that are different than what comes naturally. May we be the ones that push the dumb cart in and pay the dollar forty-eight for the masking tape because we would rather do that than steal. May we tell truth instead of lies. May we become more and more morally excellent. God, bring knowledge to our lives. Bring patience and perseverance in. Bring self-control in Jesus' name into our hearts and into our lives. Father God, bring more onto the stage of my life than what I currently have. Father God, grow me. Grow me in my strength and in my, my spiritual walk, oh Father God. May I not be dwarfed. Holy Spirit, just work in our lives. We're going to sing this song. I'd love for the prayer partners to come forward and come up, come up, come up. Solidify this sermon in your heart because I know it's calling you. Don't hear it and walk away. Don't be like that. Where you look in the mirror and you see yourself, but you walk away and forget. I say, come on up and solidify this sermon in your heart that you would become growing spiritually. In Jesus' name, let's sing.